the scariest thing to do. Uh, something my grandpa always taught me growing up was don't count with the money in your wallet. Um, if you do, that means you probably can't afford it. Sometimes you just have to jump. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Awesoming's podcast, where we highlight people pursuing their definition of, you guessed it, awesome. So buckle up and get ready for some more success story adventures and failures from Kentucky's tech and entrepreneur community. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning back into this episode of the Awesoming Podcast. Sitting down today with Sam Wheeling, who is a former Awesoming Boot Camper, is now a developer and has his own company where he is slinging disc golfs all around town. Yeah, uh, I, I appreciate you having me today. It's uh, when I got the invite, I was like, oh man, this will be great. Get to talk about uh, the journey that I've I've had for well, almost three years now. So That's crazy. Time flies. Been, yeah. So we're going to talk uh, again with Sam today to hear about his story with, again, a career change. We're talking about the Awesome Boot Bootcamp. He is one of our beloved alum and has gone to be a developer. So it's really cool to hear another story of career change. But then also he's an entrepreneur himself and want to talk about his company. It's not necessarily a startup, which is which is great. You know, like you don't have to reinvent the wheel and you're also solving a pretty niche problem for, you know, something I think that really became popular because of the 2020 craziness. So we'll dive into that. Um, Sam, yeah, we'll, we'll just, we'll start. I'll give a quick intro and then I'm just going to step back and I'll let you hit it out of the park. So I know from your exceptional, your exceptional, that's not a word, your professional experience. There we go, brother. Before the boot camp, you really focused in the hospitality and retail industries. So you were a couple store managers and then you were also an operations manager with, with Canes. My, my question is, you bounced around for you know a couple of years, learning new skill sets. And then I want to know from there, talk about some of your experiences, what led you to the Awesome Bootcamp or how did you learn about it? Yeah, so um, fresh out of college, I had the opportunity to become a retail manager for Radio Shack. When you're 21 and someone offers you money, you're like, continue with college or... I've got money now. So I went on that route, which of course is Radio Shack. So I was still in technology, um, selling phones and just being around just that world in general. Uh, moved over to Office Depot where I still was their computer manager at the time. And then I moved up, of course, through the ranks that way. They closed my location at Office Depot. So I jumped over to Ollie's, found out that that was probably not the best job I've ever had in my life, but it was a different, again, another learning experience of being in a different retail world. And uh, actually, Jacqueline Benson, that works at Awesome Inc. Our beloved JB. Yeah. She, her husband, Brandon Benson, he and I are really good friends. And he told me about Raising Cane's. And I was like, you know, I've never tried fast food, but if I don't try something different now, then I'm going to be stuck in retail. So I jumped over to the world of food. Raising Cane's was a fun job, really enjoyed it. And then unfortunately we had some situations happen in our life. My wife had lost her dad, her mom and her grandma within like three years. Wow. So sorry. Um, and it gave us an opportunity at the same time because we were able to move into their house and we didn't have a house payment. So if I had the opportunity to make a career change, that was the chance. Talking to Brandon and Jacqueline, Jacqueline had mentioned, you know, the boot camp, And I was like, Oh, I've got some buddies that did development when I was in college and I should have probably done it then. So talked to the wife and she said, look, if you don't try it now, you're not going to have another opportunity. So that's where we jumped into the boot camp, you know, went through the interview process. And next thing you know, I'm in a class learning how to be a developer. 
Man, that's that's so cool. Yeah. Well, again, shout out uh, JB and and Brandon and Baby Boone. Baby Boone. For, uh, oh, that was my phone. Um, for yeah, for for connecting. And I think the cool thing is just to hear about the, the network, how how effective it is. Also, I really enjoy enjoy hearing from from my perspective that you said uh, your wife and you made this decision together. That's really cool. Keeping yeah. the family dynamic together. I love that. So yeah, you mentioned they talked to you about the boot camp. What was what was that final? you know, kicker that really encouraged you over the edge. Again, you're talking with your wife, talking with the Bensons. What, what's, what was the final stake that you said, okay, I'm going to do this. Was there a certain change or a switch that went off? I reached out to a few of my buddies who, like I said, in college, that's what they did. Um, and I wanted their feedback, like what's a day in the life of you? What do you do? And stuff like that. And they told me kind of the freedoms they have with their job. And when I say freedoms, I mean in retail, Hey, you got to be at work these times when you're not at work. If your store calls you, you've got to answer that call, right? So I was like, hey, this is, uh, you know, it's going to be different because now I'm going to be given a task, right? So um, if you're, hey, this is a code you've got to fix or something like that, you get it done, you push the code out, it works, yay. However, unless you're in like a sprint or it's a fire sale, right? Like you're trying to get it done right then and there. I'm not saying there's not a rush to get it done because you do have to walk through the problem and try to solve it. But you also have the opportunity to kind of take your time and make sure it's right. Where in retail, if it's fire, you've got to put it out right then and there. So it's a little bit different. Um, but it's uh, it's a different world. So after talking to them, talked to my wife, I was like, you know, probably should have done this in, in college. And that was the time where I was just like, look, if I don't make the jump, I, I'm going to be stuck yeah. on the path that I'm at. And I didn't want to take that. I cool. didn't want to take that chance. I get that. So let me ask you this. Uh, I've talked to a handful of people now, some from actually our very first boot camp, and, uh, and a few others throughout the throughout the years. What um what's a skill set that you learned in the boot camp that was really surprising for you? Looking back, you know, you mentioned a few years ago. What, what's something that you took away and you thought you think now? Wow, I didn't expect to learn this, but I'm I'm glad I did. Yeah. So during Awesome Boot Camp, the final day, we do you know our our big reveal of our projects we've been working on. And one of the things that Justin had told me was, hey, slow down. And the world of retail and fast food, I'm go, 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 go. Right there, you can't slow down, take a breath. Like you have to be quick on your feet. And that was actually the biggest thing that I took away was being able to just slow down, write down what the problem is or what I need to work on and then execute the plan. And I think for me, that was huge because again, um, go, 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 got to get everything done. And I finally got to slow down, get things done and still get it done when I needed to get it done. But it was, uh, it was a big eye opener for me. Well, we, we jumped to the end and I, I want to go there and then I'll, I'll backtrack. What, uh, what was your, what was a project you presented at demo day? The, the, the final, the final day. Yeah. So, so what's funny is like I said, I do run a disc golf shop, uh, called Banga chain here in town. And we, basically would have a problem where someone's looking for a disc or they don't know what discs are in their bag and we want to help them figure out what they need. So our, my final project was called a disc of bags or bag of discs. And basically the premise of it was you were to create an account, put in all the discs that you have in your bag, and then it would tell you what you're missing. So that way, if someone's like, Hey, I need a understable driver or an overstable driver, it would recommend discs for them. So that was what my final project was going to be. Cool. Um, we got most of it done and about four months after 
the boot camp, I found a website where someone had created it and it still makes me want to go back because I feel like now that I've been doing development a little bit longer, I can actually go and improve on the project and clean it up and actually make it better. Yeah, no, that, that's really cool. I was talking with a uh, former boot camper, Philip Devine, and he he said something similar about, hey, the the project I presented at the final boot camp demo day, I still want to go back and tweak it. And so it's just cool to hear that some of the things that you learned, you realize, oh, I can do this better now. Yeah. Um, quick, quick question. This is totally off the cuff, which I love. And then I promise I'll go back to my other questions. Um, again, 2020 brought a whole, whole slew of things. But one thing that came out of it that I say is a positive is more and more people picked up disc golf. And as someone who, I think you're, you're a pro. Everyone always talks about you, how, how good you are. Do you have any surprising statistics of how many people started playing or something in that realm that you could share? Yeah. So in the PDGA, which is our professional side. The PDGA. Yeah. So okay. Professional Disc Golf Association. They, we have a, a number, right? So that way you pay to be a member and you get a number. And when I started playing disc golf in 2012, my PDGA number is 555572. So it's like 55,000, right? Well, from, I think from the last two years, there are already over 200,000 registered members. Yeah. Wow. So from, I think they said for the first 10 years of being disc golf in general, they got to 100,000. And then within two years, they got over another 100,000 members. Um, and we always like to say that we call those COVID babies for disc golf. And the reason is, is some of the guys actually didn't pick up disc golf because of COVID. They had played disc golf and because of COVID, they were like, oh, I remember playing and I want to get back out and play. And then they got their friends to come out and play. So it did grow. I wouldn't say huge, but it grew to where now when you go to a park, sometimes you have to wait on a tee to play, Yep, uh, which is good for us, right? Because we're just like, hey, you know, welcome to the sport. Good luck. Right? Exactly. Um, and we try to tell people that when you play, there, there's only really there's a few type of players. There's the guys that just want to go play with their buddies. Then there's the guys who are competitive against their buddies. So they'll join leagues or, you know, want to get better. And then there's people like myself who will play 25 to 30 tournaments a year, but also we're out, you know, enjoying it and doing all that. That's good. I, I live over, actually, I shouldn't say the podcast. I live in Lexington. I'll say that. <laughs> and uh, I was playing at a park and uh, my buddies now, we, we, we get stuck behind people. So we just started doing the, the playthrough. So we literally play a hold and sprint. And so we take the disc golf game match, whatever's correct, uh, down to like a, a 40 minute chunk of time because we just sprint the entire time. That was made it really fun. Yeah, there's a guy that we met out at uh, Chilato Park and he actually just runs the course. So he throws one disc and runs and he'll do like three laps. Um, and it's yeah, we're we've got another buddy, Tyler Nix, who's from like the Richmond area. And he ran and played a whole course and he's been trying to like set quote unquote, local records for like how fast you can actually play the course. And I'm like, I looked at his time. I was like, what's your one mile time? <laughs> because what you ran that in, I can't, I can't just run and not play the course in that time. Uh, and it's amazing that how much exercise you can get at some of these courses. Yeah. Playing. All, all over the terrain. That's good stuff. All right. Now we're going to reel back in a little bit. Um, what are maybe a couple highs and lows from your experience with the boot camp? Because again, this, this sets you up for where you currently are. Right. Yeah. So I would say the high, of course, was just 
and I know this sounds crazy, but when you first become a developer and you're learning like CSS and they're like, hey, change the color to blue or hey, change the color to red. And you're just changing the color. You're like, oh, this is neat. So then you start learning stuff about like hex codes and RGB codes and stuff like that. So now you're learning more than you ever thought about a color. Right. And so to me, that was probably one of the biggest things was like, oh, man, this is neat. So I like I'd go home and be like, hey, babe, I'm going to change the background to red. Or I'd be like, hey, pick a color. I'm going to change the color. She's like, oh, that's neat. Enjoy. Like, you know, she didn't care. But at the same time, I'm like, this is neat. And so that was probably some of the highs. Like, as simple as it sounds, just being able to just do something like that, just it blew my mind at the time. For the lows, the lows probably was probably that first week or two at a new job, right? So like in retail, when I switched from job to job, I was manager. I know what to do. At this one, it's like, hey, you know, we're, you got to get used to our system, stuff like that, which is fine. But you start to get to where you're just like, man, am I am I doing this right? Like this job seems, I don't know, like you felt out of place or you just didn't seem like you knew what you're doing yet. Um, but the good thing is, is if you get with the right team, of course, they start to help you and you ask questions and it works out in the end. But the first few little bits, you're like. Uh, am I doing this right? No, I, I totally understand. Yeah, it's, it is, it is something when you learn an entirely new skill set. And I, I, I'm never, I'm never not impressed hearing people's takeaways or the things they've learned of, yeah, I'm learning an entirely new, new language and I've shared it before, but again, you you can relate as you learn this. I, I did CS in college. That sounded weird. I, I learned computer science in college. And I remember there was one class, I think it was like algorithms or something that just kicked my butt. And I remember, I think the quiet section of the Willie T library at UK for an hour and a half parsing through my program and I missed one semicolon. And I was like, and when I found yeah. it, I just oh, smacked the table and everyone like jumps up and looks um, just like that. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget how frustrating it is, but it's also, it, you're, you're a modern day wizard. Yeah. I think that's one of the cool things. So when you can change colors, it's because you're a wizard. So yeah. just know that about yourself. I've, I've had a few... Uh, so one of the things that I do is I, I build the scoreboards um, mm -hmm. and we'll go over that here in a second too as well. But uh, there will be times where it's the same thing. I'm like, what, what am I missing? And I'll look and it was, I left an E out of a word and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. It was, it was just one letter the whole time. But luckily computers are smart enough that you can hit control F and then just search for everything you need. And if it's not there, then it's, it should be. And if it is there and it's not supposed to be, then it's easy to take care of at the same time. But, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, let's uh, let's also talk about this because I, I think your story is cool that you've you've also remained local. You've been pretty active in a handful of things. And I don't know if I've actually asked some of the other boot campers about this specifically, but what was the process from, again, demo day to to job placement? Can, can you walk us through that journey for yourself? Yeah. So. I was fortunate enough, um, again, in the boot camp, the biggest thing they told us was to network, right? So, hey, go ahead and start your LinkedIn and basically create your social media about, hey, I'm going to be looking for a job and try to get your name out there to where some of the people that you know, you can go meet and try to just introduce yourself, right? Like, hey, I'm going through the boot camp. I'm going to be looking for a job soon. Do you have any openings right now? Or if you do, keep me posted, right? So locally at University of Kentucky, they hosted basically kind of like a small tech conference. And I went around again, wanted to immerse myself, I guess, in the culture of being tech and walked around and there was a booth for blue frame technology. 
and B, being a disc golfer, they do a lot of they do live streaming of sporting events. That's what they do. Right. And I really enjoyed that. I was like, oh, man, I can mix both my worlds so I could live stream a disc golf tournament, but also work for a company that does it so I can learn both. Right. Kind of just I don't know merge my two worlds and it was it felt really good so i talked to him uh met a guy named brad farley talked to him for a little bit and just said hey look you know i'm with the boot camp you know we quote unquote graduate right so when we do our demo day we call that graduation so hey i'll be graduating soon i'd love to talk and when you go through the boot camp we have basically an advisor who will say hey i need you to keep an excel spreadsheet of every job you apply for and who you talk to that way if we can help you find a job we will at least point you towards that way it's still up to you to pass the interviews or actually apply and and then also showcase your work right so that's what i had to do is you know i talked to them uh, a few times before was emailing back and forth. And then about two months after the boot camp, you know, they're like, hey, look, you know, I know that this is uh, probably not what you're looking for in a job, but this is what we have. And at the time I was like, look, I'm I'm just trying to be the low, mo- low man on totem pole. I'll take the opportunity. And that's what I did. So I jumped with Blue Frame um, and started working with them probably like I said, two months after our final. So it was kind of neat. Yeah, right on. That's good stuff. Well, one of the things uh, you mentioned, you mentioned the word merge, and I know that you've been a developer in QA with with Blue, Blueframe Tech now a while, and y'all just had a merger with with Huddle. Right. What, yeah, what is working for a tech company, or I guess tech companies, again, you'll, you'll touch upon that. What has it taught you about the importance of continual learning? Asking that, because we're going to talk about your venture here in a second. Yeah, so... The greatest thing that I've learned is when I worked retail, you you manned up, right? Like the way you got better was you just had to do it. Um, working for Blue Frame and now Huddle, one of the biggest things that they talk about is, is if you want to learn, there's ways to learn. You just need to reach out to us or, you know, we'll help you out. And the team that I work with is great because if I have a question about a code that I'm writing, like they'll do a code review, they'll look at it. Or if I'm like, Hey, I can't get this to work and they'll look at it. And sometimes it feels like they're belittling you, but at the same time, you're just like, they know what they're doing. And I had to ask for help. So it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun, but really it's just, it come down to the point of they want you to get better. Right. Because in the world of retail, in my mind, you can always find a manager, right? Someone can lead. They might not be the best leader, but you know, you can find it. We're in the world of development. The better you get your team, the better your product becomes, right? So if a developer is, goes from like an, you know, entry level uh, engineer, as they would call it, so like engineer one, that person is new to development. But like a senior engineer, that guy's a guy that probably knows all the answers and he wants engineer one to be good so he can stop answering all the questions right so i'm not saying that's true but that's how i feel and they're there though to help you get better at your code so they'll tell you hey you know if you do it this way or do it that way or you know point you to the best possible case scenario of what to do better another guy in boot camp jason mize um, I'm not sure if you, you guys have had overlap, but he was one of the very first, actually the very first boot camp. And he was saying that he is the person that would say, oh yeah, I'll do that. And then would go learn a new language or go learn a new stack or, you know, all the developer stuff. I don't fully know, but. Yeah. I, and I have found actually a boot camper. Um, his name's Colby Taylor. He 
was in the boot camp, I think the cohort before mine, or maybe two before mine. And he works for Blue Frame as well. Now he's he has moved up, right? So he actually told me that when I was started out being Q, doing QA, he said, hey, look, if a project comes up, raise your hand. He's like, even if you don't know the tech stack, he's like, raise your hand and say, hey, I'll look into it and let them decide if they're like, hey, we have the time to let him learn, right? Um, and that's how I'm doing what I'm doing now. But at the same time, it was kind of the, I'll do it and see what happens. Yeah, that's good stuff. And then uh, again, probably probably the most important thing and reason I want to have you here is because you are an entrepreneur and always want to help local people know about local businesses, support local, and also someone who's a really important part of a community. So want to make sure that you get to talk about Bang a Chain. All, all I really know about disc golf stores is there's one in, I think, Jeffersonville, Indiana that my friends have gone to. Yeah, so that one's... Uh, That's all I know. <laughs> that one's disc crazy. Okay. Um, that guy's name is Ryan Rowe. He's been doing it for a while. He actually had, because of COVID, he has four stores now. Okay. Wow. Um, and basically we, I think they call him the I-65 King. And it's because if you just go down I-65, he has like four stores. Uh, and it's, it's just pretty funny, but yeah, so we, and I say we, so my wife and I started banging chain back in, I believe 2012. Okay. Um, and back then it was just a group of friends that wanted to play. Um, so we decided, hey, we should probably try to work with local clubs and actually then tournaments because we started noticing then the way that you got your prize was, hey, here's a random bag of stuff. Hope you like it. And we started noticing there was a few tournaments we had gone to where you were given a gift card to a shop and we didn't have shops back then. So I was like, oh, man, we could do that. So we started off doing our own tournament in Mount Sterling called Court Day Classic, and we do it every year. We've been doing it for eight years now. So we started doing that one. And then we started working with the Frankfurt disc golf club and, um, started doing their tournaments. And you know, we work with them to where they still make money, right? Cause the club's a nonprofit. So they need money to take care of courses and stuff like that. But also we're a business. We need to grow. Um, and then of course we started working with the local club here in Lexington called the bluegrass disc golf association, started working with them to do the same thing. So we don't do all of their events, but we do, majority of their events right so like leagues and stuff like that well we were doing out of our basement in our house and when covid hit the wife didn't really like that random people were just coming to the house to want to look at this and she goes we need a store and i was like okay well let's try to find a place that is close by but rent's not too terrible because again this was uh kind of like when i jumped into development you know it's a conversation you got to have and you got to be willing to invest right so we jumped, we found a spot um, over off Burt Road and our lease was really cheap because we were kind of back in the hole, right? And the good thing about it was is people were like, man, you're hard to find. We're like, yeah, we know, but this allows us to have an actual spot and then, you know, you can come. So people who knew where we were was great, but anyone who didn't, um, you know, we had to explain that. Well, we found out the place next door to us, um, the lady had signed her lease and then COVID hit the next month. So she had been stuck in her lease and never got to open her business. So we reached out to the landlord and we we're like, hey, look, we'll take over her lease if we can have her building. So that's what we did. So we expanded. We went from 600 square feet to 1200 square feet. And now you can actually come in our shop, have a beer, watch disc golf live and just talk disc golf. Um, and that's what we try to do. We we promote basically welcoming people to the sport. 
You know, we're not pushy salesmen. We, if you come in and don't buy discs, but you ask us questions for an hour, great. All we want you to do is be excited about the support that we love. Um, so we've been doing that and we know we have a website and been working on getting it. And so now, because being in the development world, we go and look at other websites and how can we be better and how can we upgrade our website? And we don't use a third party like, you know, um, Square to build our retail site, like our site is custom built. So we have our troubles and stuff with it. But, you know, we've got an awesome web admin who's also does some really good work. So um, Josh Stewart is built our site. Yeah. So he's the uh, awesome ink bootcamp guy now. Um, so we work with him and one of the things that he and I talked about too was now we could actually probably use some of the boot campers, right. To maybe work on a small project and to get them to build something for the site. So we're looking into stuff like that. So it's been, it's been a long journey, but it's really nice because now, like I said, merging the world of development and, and my job with a hobby that now my wife's job is to run our shop. She, that's her job. She doesn't have a job anymore, I guess you'd say, but she runs our shop and does a good job there. And then we have um, Chris Prophet, who's basically our social media guy. He's the one that if you read our post, he's probably the one posting. So it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. Here we are a decade later and you guys are not just one, but you're really two store links or, you know, your, your shop is two, two stores and you're, you're building a community. I think that's one of the, the most impactful things I've learned while being around the awesome community and in the entrepreneurial space in Lexington, uh, we, we credit a lot of, of, of what we do with our team and, and our community based on the book, startup, um, startup communities by Bradfield and just talks about get the right people in the environment. And every single day you're renewing the vision. And so it, it is so, so encouraging to hear that you're saying, cool. Hey, if you want to belong, great, come on down. Like we'll, we'll have you. And, uh, we want to get people acclimated to the support we love. So I think, uh, I think last question for me is, you know, where, where do you want to see bang and chain, you know, five, 10 years down the road? Like what, what, what would be a big win for you to say like, Hey, we've accomplished this. Yeah, we have, uh, the wife and I actually have a roadmap that we want to accomplish. And part of that roadmap is, you know, of course you want to become one of the top resellers, right? Online. That's definitely always going to be a goal, but realistically, and I know it sounds weird, we're okay with the size that we are. And, and I say that because disc golf has grown so fast that there are other shops that opened up too fast and they're having to close because they got really excited because COVID helped them, but they didn't roadmap how they wanted to grow. And so now they're kind of stuck, right? So we've actually been working to either purchase or buy out other disc golf shops. And that's where we're at. So basically our roadmap right now is, is not necessarily survive, but it's just maintain where we are for the next year or two. And then after that, our goal is, of course, to improve our online shop. Um, we're actually trying to work on becoming an, an event website. So basically, the PDJ has a registration site that they use called Disc Golf Scene, but we want to become Disc Golf Scene. Even though they own them, we still have a way of having people register events through our site when they do that, though, that allows us to do the payout for them and have it done within maybe 20, 30 minutes, right? Instead of the process now could take four or five hours. So we're definitely just, our strive is to just become like that event leader and online retailer. That's good stuff. Last, uh, last question, or I guess two questions. These will be quick. What's, uh, what's one piece of advice you you'd give to any, any local entrepreneur? Jump. 
Um, you know, we talked about that at the boot camp. They talked about how there's a cliff and sometimes you're just going to have to jump. And it's probably the scariest thing to do. Uh, something my grandpa always taught me growing up was don't count with the money in your wallet. Um, if you do, that means you probably can't afford it. Sometimes you just have to jump and afford it. So it kind of it's one of those ones where you don't want to do it. But you know that if you don't make the jump, you can't at least say you tried. Um, my brother actually ran his own screen printing shop. You know, my mom and my grandpa owned an auction house. So, you know, putting myself in the situations where I'm around people who tried, even though maybe in their minds it was successful and they had to go make more money. So in, they may have thought it failed at the same time. In my mind, I'm like, you did this for four or five years. I don't think you understand that, you know, even if you only last four or five years, you put an effort in, you tried and have to go back. It's fine, but you have to jump. You just have to. That's great. Well, Sam, I appreciate the time. Want to want to ask one final question. Where can the good people of Lexington and Kentucky find you and find Bang & Chain and support your business? Yeah, so we're Bang & Chain is located at 145 Burt Road, Suite 11 and 12. And they can also find us at bangandchain.com. You can actually buy online and select pick up in store so you don't have to pay for shipping. That's good stuff. Well, Sam, appreciate the time. And uh, let's go have some, some Mexican from Taco Tica. I'm in. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Awesomings Podcast. And another quick thank you to Lee Rosevere and a few members from our community who provide the music that you hear in this show. Lastly, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. Or even better, come on down to our space. Come be a part of our community and get plugged in. And let's start something awesome together. You guys rock. We'll see you next time.